Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast, or is it? It's a special April Fool's edition of this podcast in which we entertain the Mount Rushmore of pranks. Here to uh, join me, as always, is Mitchard Renfredi. Howdy. <laughs> and Michael Minfield. <laughs> uh, we, uh, Richard, we got we got, got him. him. <laughs> I got him. Oh, <laughs> uh, y'all been pranked. This is the Mount Rushmore pranks. Um, I think this was Richard's uh, suggestion, uh, but it is, uh, of course, uh, in recognition of April Fools, which is like St. Patrick's Day, it's amateur hour for people. Yeah, it who, is <laughs> totally the worst. Yeah, who think they're suddenly very clever or want to pull off a good-natured but uh, um, totally um, life-upsetting prank on somebody. Um, I think it is, I love the idea of April Fools. It almost feels like one of the most pagan of the holidays that that survived this reformation that uh, um the the church has done uh, it's just a, a day of misrule and chaos uh but it does have uh people inspired to get a little bit of mis mischief going and uh you have to kind of know how to do that right um richard what what inspired you about this topic uh you came up with it jeff okay Michael, what inspired? What inspi no, I, I gave you guys options. I said, hey, we could do this or this or this. And somebody so said, why did, why did, what, what did I, I said, fools. I said, why my, Mount Rushmore fools? Why well, then you, you got the Mount Rush. You got three of them right here. So okay. <laughs> I don't know. Um, what, what, what did I enjoy about what, did, what made me think, yeah, that's a good topic? Yeah. I don't know. You know, it, it falls into the category of things that we've done before, like hoaxes and things like that. So it's kind of adjacent to some stuff that we've done, yeah. but I think it's it's a little bit different, slightly different topic. And I think we're gonna have some, uh, it's something we can have some fun with. Yeah, okay. We're gonna give it our all. We're gonna play all four quarters. We're gonna go out there and we're gonna try to get chuck one up in the W column. Uh, all right, um, since I thought of it, um, here's a prank. I'm gonna go first. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all just been pranked in college. Uh, um, for winter break one year, myself and another poor roommate had to stay home during winter break, meaning we spent Christmas in our cold freezing apartment uh, while our uh, much more uh, affluent uh, roommate who was dating a very affluent uh, young woman was traveling Europe and sending packages and things back. So every week, every day we'd get the shipments of things that he bought himself in another country. Um, and uh, we were just jealous as hell. So uh, one package, we opened it up very carefully and it was a pair of uh, very nice linen um, pants. And so we were able to unwrap them from the perfumed lilac smelling tissue that was around them and then take a nasty pair of cutoffs and put them in its place, then uh, fold the paper back up around it and tape it, tape it up. So um, we pulled that hilarious prank and he got home and there was no amount of explaining that it was a joke that could please him or his parents who were there when he opened it up, who had got that as a gift for him or something like that. It was just, it was just, it just felt bad for everybody. It was a prank that was no fun for anybody that we thought we were brilliant at doing. Um, yeah. So, uh, like, yeah. But what happened to the pants? We just put the real pants back. We said, hey, it was a joke. And he was just pissed off that he had this nasty cut. They, 
whatever this fine uh, clothier in Belgium or whatever sent him not the beautiful linen pants that he had, but the, these crappy cutoffs that, that we uh, had been wearing painting houses all summer. Um, I mean, that's, the, that's, that's pretty, it's pretty weak. Yeah, yeah. All of it, like the reaction. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine being like I could. I could understand finding it like not terribly like the funniest thing, but like, come, come yeah, come on. That's innocent. Yeah, no, no, he didn't get a bucket of slime mm. on his head, or mm. you know, we didn't. Uh, anyway, okay. So, uh, Michael, you start. Okay. Uh, well, I'll first preface this by saying I'm not like a big fan of like April Fool's Day and pranks in general. The kind of um, a person being made to be. Ha- be made a fool of at someone's, you know, yeah, it just doesn't, it just doesn't hit well for me. Um, but I, I, I guess I like a well, uh, uh, kind of a, a calm prank or a one that really doesn't hurt anybody. So my first choice is the good old uh, shaving cream in your hand while you're sleeping and a tickle of the feather, <laughs> a tickle of the nose with a feather. Because really like the worst thing that can happen is you just get like some shaving cream or like whipped cream in your face. Like, it's not like you're putting your hand in like a bucket of warm water and the person pisses all over themselves and all over a bed. And that's just like potentially hundreds of dollars ruined. You know, yeah. it's like, ah, look at this. It's so, so innocent. And it could be done to anybody and really I don't know. And you did that to you too. You did I, that, did that I to yourself, I, I bet. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've ever had like a major practical joke played on me or pull, played one on somebody else. Yeah. I think that goes more towards my, my general sense of like apathy and just like, oh, don't just be nice to one. <laughs> but I definitely wasn't a, um, uh, I don't remember it being a big thing in like college. And this feels like very much like, not even college, this feels very much like a camp prank Hmm. more than anything, you know? Yeah, that's, I love the classic nature of this. Like this could Hmm. be a hundred years ago. You could do this with the brush shaving cream or something if you wanted to, this could be- Cavemen cavemen did it, but they had a rock in the hand (laughs) instead. And there's a lot of broken, you know, noses and- Yeah, absolutely. Okay. The, feather, the feather of a velociraptor, I would well, assume. Let's get into that. Is they, um, I don't like to lie to people, and I don't like <laughs> people to um, have Says a bad the day. Actor. <laughs> I think that's one reason why, as a kid, when we did prank phone calls, I would get a pit in my stomach. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I feel so horrible after doing this. So, yeah, there's some component of a prank, whether it's a... Um, innocent um playful thing or not um in which you're kind of creating a scenario of untruth <laughs> that people yeah. have to kind of fall into richard manfredi all right so this is one we talked about i think briefly in a first season episode uh the best things about baseball other than baseball and uh this is the hot foot ah awesome <laughs> um which if you guys are not familiar with it is essentially setting a person's shoe on fire mm-hmm. okay that's the Classic. joke okay. that's the joke okay so it is not the thing where their toes are exposed from a hobo type shoe 
No. And, okay. Okay. All right. No, so nothing like shoe. that. Not, no, okay. it's actually you set either the shoelaces on fire, or you stick a bunch of matches on the guy's uh, bottom of his shoes with gum, and then you light the matches on fire. Mm-hmm. And then he walks around not knowing what's happening for a few seconds until he realizes, "Oh yes, I am actually on fire." Yeah. And then they put it out and then everyone laughs. How much does this, um, you know, like the banana peel that we've seen slipped on in a variety of cartoons, how much does this exist in the real world that we know of? Do we- oh, in baseball, pretty, okay. unfortunately, more, more regularly than you would expect a, a bunch of adults. You know, I mean, yes, it's a bunch of adults playing a dumb kid's game. Yes. But still, these are a bunch of adults and it happens mm-hmm. more often than you would expect there were a few well-known proponents of it mm-hmm. um burt blylevin got the nickname the frying dutchman because he <laughs> loved doing it um apparently the uh fire extinguisher in the clubhouse uh, had a sign that said in case of blylevin pull um but no this is something that happens fairly regularly and this is again like we talked about in that episode and first season there is so much downtime in baseball Oh, yeah. If, if you think you're bored watching baseball, imagine being in the in the dugout, especially if you're one of the guys who's not playing that day. Mm-hmm. There's just all you got to do is see, eat seeds, drink yeah. Gatorade, and set people's feet on fire. Yeah, that's literally what you have to do. Yeah. Imagine if your day started at you know what time do they get to the ballpark for a seven p.m. game? Probably four, probably four, five, if not earlier. You know, but a part of it is they get there and they work out and then you're warming up and then you go through the rigmarole of, you know, and the pomp and circumstance of the game and then to also then not be playing. You go right. through all the aspects of getting ready to play and then you're just like, mm, no, he's one of the pitchers that's just <laughs> that's having an off day yet still they probably have to work out. They probably have to do every bits and every all the bits and pieces and then just like here, here you go. You're on fire now. Yeah. Also help like I could see like places where they don't have the hot foot, like uh on the runway during Fashion Week in Milan or something like that. Like do you see <laughs> that'd be a hell of a prank though. That'd be hell, hell of a so someone's Louboutins yeah. uh yeah. a flame. <laughs> a red bottom. This is a forty forty thousand dollar shoe. Not anymore. It was. Yeah, it was now it's a forty thousand dollar pair of ashes. Yeah. That uh that does are you guys uh, watching Ted Lasso? At all? No, I don't have Apple TV. Okay. Although I'd like to watch it. I so give me your uh, login. Okay. Yeah. Sure. I, I I would say that it is channeling, even though the setting is uh, uh, England and Amer- American coach in soccer. It's channeling some of that Bull Durham mischief that mm. was so fun about that that film. You know, the kind of clubhouse antics. Yeah, where you felt like you were kind of seeing like everything uh, uh, kind of underneath the hood a little bit. Yeah, yeah, like uh, I don't know, slap shot or something where we're just kind of being part of those uh, very testosterone-driven pranks and things. Yeah, I can't imagine like in football, American football, if you tried to hot foot, you know, Lawrence Taylor back yeah. in the eighties, <laughs> how that would have turned out for you. I'm guessing uh-huh. not well. In the era of cocaine and like doping and drugs, do you think like Mac uh, McGuire would even know? Do you think do you think he might burn off half his foot for you, or do you think 
Oh, there's Maybe. a good chance Daryl Strawberry had no idea he was on fire. <laughs> so I'm going to go, dude, you're literally on fire. Yeah. <laughs> literally, you're a flame. We Thanks, all, I mean, the odds <laughs> the odds that we could have had a Richard Pryor situation yeah. in a base in a Mets dugout in the mid 80s or not not zero percent let's no, put it that way not zero okay uh all right Winfield what's your second choice uh my second choice and you um um fortuitously uh alluded to it oh. earlier it's Bart Simpson's prank phone calls oh to awesome Mo at uh, Mo's tavern um this is another one of those that are just kind of seemingly innocent. It's, you know, a 10 year old boy uh, calling the same guy over and over. Mm-hmm. And I think the joy in it, you know, he's calling asking for alcoholic or all of her clothes off or huge ass or BO problem. And um, I just love that it's, I wanted to do some sort of, I wanted to talk about some sort of prank phone call, whether it was like the jerky boys, but I don't uh... have like, I. Jerky boys are on my list, by the way. Are they? Yeah, so we can kind of. Awesome. Oh, great. Great segue. I I love that I never, but I was never like a fan of the jerky boys, but I was a fan of Bart Simpson. I was a fan of like this (laughs) pretty innocent, you know, uh, quasi clever turn of phrase that he would pull on Mo. And I'd love also just Mo's dopey uh, just reaction to it. He'd always fall for it. And then he would just turn so, so violently angry and threaten him over the phone. And just the entire, you know, it's a, it's a pretty quick, you know, a joke with a pretty simple setup or, or, or payoff. But I, I just, I just always love them. The... And I love that, that within the show, they also turned, they could also turn it around on Bart or they could um, uh, make a joke of that joke on it too. What's wonderfully dated about that, because it seems to kind of predate caller ID and cell phones and landlines. It seems like a, a, when you had no idea, when you had to answer because it was part of your business and you had no idea um, that this was coming because or who the caller was, it does seem like we have uh, less <laughs> visibility now than, than, than we do now. I, I, when the Simpsons, came out i remember pretty quickly seeing the tube bar uh, tapes circulating have you heard of this that there is a jersey city um uh drinkery called the tube bar and uh tape swappers were passing around tapes of guys who would call and prank them with uh those type of bart simpsons things like a mike asking for mike hunt or alcoholic uh I guess Bart would never say Mike Hunt, but, um, and people very quickly connected Bart and his mischief to that uh, tape. So people speculate that that might've been an inspiration for those, those Bart pranks, but uh, Jerky Boys definitely were, boy, I loved that the first Jerky Boys. I did too. Um, (laughs) They have sold 8 million records over the years. Really? Albums. It's (laughs) wild to me. And here's the thing about the Jerky Boys. I love them too. When I was, they came out when I was like 16, 17 mm-hmm. years old. Um, so that's right at the age where anything that's like really edgy yeah. is going to be right <laughs> up your wheelhouse. Yeah. Because if you look, go, if you go back and listen to the Jerky Boys albums now, ooh, <laughs> ooh there's some problems there, boys and yeah. girls. 
Yeah. Uh, but at the time, I remember I had my giant bass amp because I played bass at the time when I was freshman year of college. And I would hook my boombox up to it and play the Jerky Boys through this giant bass amp pointing out of my dorm room into the quad. <laughs> and just people would be looking up from all around campus like, well, like as you know, Frank Rizzo or Saul Rosenberg is <laughs> have all my glasses in my shoes so I have them. All that kind of stuff was happening and people would just be looking like, what the fuck is going on here? Um, yeah, I mean, yes, a lot of it doesn't hold up, but every once in a while you hit something that's really funny. Mm-hmm. Like like the uh, the guy who wants to work as some sort of like parts tool operator and they ask him how many pieces he can do, how much he can bench. You know, say 350 350 pieces that's pretty good pieces talking pounds baby i still use that line every once in a while with with my wife yeah um because because it's it's very very funny there was a little bit of uh the kind of jerry lewis kind of naive and kind of character in some of those and uh definitely ripe with anti-semitism <laughs> and um uh uh, homophobia. homophobia homophobia but the but i felt like they were i felt like they either didn't pose i didn't i never thought the person on the other end was either um innocent or um not having a good time like i i think they fell into a couple other oh, there's emily probably <laughs> you got pranked with the hot meal zing gotcha with gotcha. delicious looking food that you just got delivered to you by your lovely wife i would love to do that as a prank in, in a bar like some guys will send a drink over to a beautiful lady send, send her a whole meal just a whole like an entree appetizer <laughs> um i felt like we were listening to people who were either uptight or game you know hey I'm, i know this is kind of a prank and i'm playing along yeah or they were completely pretentious and they deserved like if it's the person on the other end at a magic um theater or something <laughs> right <laughs> and tarbosh the egyptian magician <laughs> um wants to come uh, uh choke their staff and they agree to it because they think they're um, nurturing the career of an international uh um prostodigitator i mm-hmm. they deserve <laughs> they deserve everything they're getting on the other t- or the uh the, the piano tuner who was being uh, called um, in order to help get a pit bull out of a, who's stuck in a piano, <laughs> extricated uh, from the piano. Oh, God, that was some funny stuff. You mentioned Jerry Lewis, and he was one of the original phone yeah. pranksters. Oh, yeah. Do you carry rackets? Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. and people, of course, wouldn't believe that it's actually Jerry Lewis. They just thought it was somebody who was. Yeah. Pretending to be Jerry Lewis, <laughs> Jerry um, Lewis calling a calling a record store to ask him if they have Do you have a dance of the lazy swine? <laughs> oh yeah, sure, we have that <laughs> music for Niven. Uh, oh yeah, we have that one too for sure. <laughs> yeah, ah, that's a fun one. Well, okay, hey, uh, we're halftime, and um, oh boy. Guys, I'm looking oh, at our, no even flavin, my even flavin. Um, I'm looking at our uh, our podcast on Apple Podcasts, and we've been really pulled a prank on us guys because nobody's rated 
or reviewed anything for like the last four years. Oh, I think it's like that was me, guys. That was me. This I, is my prank. <laughs> you blocked God, it. I, I, I'm intentionally keeping us down. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> you you taped over the, the leave a review button on the on the podcast machine. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how we're gonna fix this, but if you, the listener, wouldn't mind going back to uh, undo this uh, horrible occurrence by leaving a review and maybe a rating and subscribing that'd be super solid and if you'd share it with somebody else that would be even better so we reverse the curse that this prank has put upon us and then uh oh gosh you know go out and graffiti our wall on uh, the mount rushmore uh podcast facebook group and then do us a solid you say something crazy on our instagram and twitter totally zing us totally prank us that'd be super solid all right dudes Shall we uh, get back at it? Uh, yeah. Should, what's your third? My third is the series of um, escalating pranks in the movie Real Genius. Oh, awesome. Uh, the movie starts, the movie, if you haven't seen it, is just one of the more delightful um, nerd-based 1980s comedies. I don't think I will have it in me to watch the other nerd-based yeah. 1980s comedy. Speaking uh, of, speaking of things that Speaking of things that don't hold up very well. Yeah, that, and that movie too featured like um, kind of a prank, but definitely one that was much more mean-spirited and awful by all, by all parties involved. But in Real Genius, um, the, the movie really builds upon like these, calls, these small um, uh, pranks within like the, 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 the college that they're at, where um, it's mostly between um, Chris Knight, the Val Kilmer character, and Kent, who's kind of like this uh, super obnoxious, uh, dorky rival of his. And it, it involves a car being taken apart and rebuilt inside. It involves, um, uh, I'm trying to think of what, there's one that Kent does to the kind of new kid, the young kid, Mitch, where it's, he, kind of has a, a phone recording of uh, Mitch calling his parents and they play it over like the speaker in the, in the, in the commissary and it really upsets him and makes him almost leave the school. And it all builds um, to this great like popcorn explosion uh, via this giant space laser that's magnified and reflected back down to earth and popcorn exploding out of it the the main professor's home but like it's interesting to watch this movie and have it all be it all comes down to like this huge prank in the end and it's uh just very um playful even though the house gets destroyed by popcorn <laughs> i've heard that's kind of based on reality uh uh mit students um are kind of notorious when they're all just caltech uh, yeah caltech yeah kind of brilliant mm brilliant people sitting around um, uh, thinking of horrible things to do to, to, each, other. Things to, do oh. to each other but yeah Kilmer was so amazing in the first decade of his career like he did so many great top secret like we just watched I had never seen top secret oh and Emily Emily and I just watched top secret for the first time on like um, Friday night I think and um, that was his first movie and he yeah. does every he does everything in that movie he he 
has great body movement. He dances, he yeah. sings either fake sings or real sings, can't quite tell. Uh-huh. He's just really funny and just really uh, kind of charming, the guy. Yeah, so much problem. I, I, I was never a Top Gun fan, but he's a pretty good villain in that too, I think. So um, I love that real genius. That is an interesting category because I guess we're thinking of like Revenge of the Nerds. But also, I feel like um, in something like Risky Business, you know, Tom Cruise was a little bit more of a straight-laced guy, and and he had a, even nerdier friends. This, it does seem like there was definitely a nerd genre um, back then. Like there was also an accidental um, pimp genre. I think I've discussed this before <laughs> with the Risky Business and Doctor Detroit and Night Shift. Um, so yeah, well, that's a fun one. Okay, uh, what do you? Oh, what do you got, uh, Richard Manfredi? All right, my third one is kind of in the vein of the Jerky Boys, but more in the in the world of the uh, more the literary world than anything else. Um, this would be the Letters from a Nut series. Oh, wow. okay. Have you ever heard of these, Jeff? Yeah, Ted L. Nancy. Ted L. Nancy, mm-hmm. um, otherwise known as Jerry Seinfeld's uh, co-writer and good friend. Uh, I'm totally blanking on his name right now. Barry Martyr. Yeah. There's, um, uh, is it Comedians in Cars with him, I think. Is there? Yeah. Yeah. The, so it's, if you guys have not, listeners have not read this yet or have read any of these stories, basically it's this, Barry Martyr has come up with this character, Ted L. Nancy, who is just a f- nut job. And he writes letters to corporations all over the world with harebrained ideas, things that he needs. Um, for example, he writes a, I think it's Marriott, um, some sort of big hotel chain saying that he needs room for 700 of his of his hamsters because he is going to be performing a new play called Hamsterdam. <laughs> and he needs he needs assistance with his with his hamsters. Uh-huh. And invariably he gets back these very either he gets back a form letter or he gets back some schmo in the customer service department who got stuck having to answer the crackpot letters, but giving a very like, well, thank you for your letter. We appreciate you thinking of Marriott. However, we do not believe that we can accommodate your 800 hamsters at this time. (laughs) Um, You know, it first started off, Barry Martyr tells a story that he was eating Fritos and on the side of the bag, it said something like, got a problem, write to us here at Fritos. And he thought to himself, who would write to Fritos? Yeah. A nut, that's who. <laughs> and that's the whole idea came from. I personally partake, partook of a little bit of this um, in high school. Um, I would start, I would call the customer service hotline numbers on various snack food items that we had, would get for like break and lunch and like sodas mm-hmm. and chips and stuff like that. Yeah. The one I remember is I called up the, uh, the uh, Cheetos hotline. It's right after Flamin' Hot Cheetos had come out. And I started complaining, wanting, wanting to know what made, the free, uh, made, what made the Cheetos flaming hot because I was having some sort of allergic reaction to it. It oh. was too hot for me. Yeah. And progressively got more like, ah, okay, this is bad. <laughs> the, which is funny, except the poor lady on the other end is probably thinking this guy is legitimately having like anaphylactic shock. Mm-hmm. and is is like dying yeah so maybe not as funny as i thought it was 
So that's maybe that's where the amateur in me versus a professional mm-hmm. nut job like Barry Martyr slash Ted L. Nancy makes a little make, is able to do his job a little bit more efficiently than yeah. Me. Are have either of you uh, gentlemen chosen anything like the National Lampoon or any other publication? No. Oh, okay. Uh, me either. One thing uh, I think um, Barry Martyr actually expanded upon um, in this age of era of email and trans- corporate transparency um uh very much so the guy the guy uh really really those books are really funny but there was a if you're a fan of don novello uh Dr. Oh, the last the, the last little letters yeah. yeah so you know a few a few decades maybe three decades earlier uh don started doing that same thing and writing letters to presidents and politicians and um um, culture figures and definitely companies and suggesting things like, uh, you know, to capitalize on the writing McDonald's to capitalize on the success of little big man, uh, saying they should have the little big Mac. And that, uh, if they do this, you know, he would like to have 10 cents per, per burger that they sell. And of course, like, like you said, part of it is the, just the pain of knowing that this corporation has this person whose job it is to, in a very straight face, <laughs> reply to all these idiots, these idiotic letters. Um, but then that seemed to originate from Novello and the work of others um, in the uh, the iteration of the National Lampoon in which they were very, uh, um, like the Onion, kind of um, almost, I don't know how you do it. Uh, what do you call it? They were parroting the publications without so much as a wink. So if they did their fake version of the New York Times or the fake version of um, Red Book Magazine, they were able to write in the style of that publication and not um, not send it up so completely that you didn't feel like you were actually writing, reading an actual publication like the, the Onion used to be, where the Onion was writing in MLA style or, shook, or <laughs> they're right. actually writing like a real journalist would write. But Novello had a publication called The Blade, um, which was published by National Lampoon, but it was a, a yearbook made up of all photographs of sheep. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, with- I, 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 love the, I love the last of the letters and I thought about including that instead of uh, letters from a nut. Um, I think the big difference is a lot of the Laszlo letters are to famous people. Yeah. Instead of oh, yeah. corporations. Yeah. And, you know, like, for example, he would send a letter to Marco saying law and order forever mm-hmm. or Franco. Like, you're not just a general. You're a truly a generalissimo. Keep it yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I appreciate. But I think I think there is something about that element of there is like, like you said, there is some guy in the customer service department whose whole job is literally to deal with these nut jobs. Oh, yeah. And. And you can tell by reading their responses that this is not like the craziest thing that they've ever read yeah. or had yeah. to respond to, which yeah. is really frightening. Absolutely. Like what, 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 if, if, if this is like no sweat for you to respond to, what were the ones that really threw you off? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Winfield between bites. What is your fourth? My fourth choice uh, is a story that was told um uh, a real life story that happened to uh, one of the Beastie Boys, uh, Ad Rock, um, about this ring that would uh, magically reappear in his life. Um, I guess back in 1992, Ad Rock 
Um, he'd kind of come off stage. They were kind of backstage, all the Beastie Boys. And this kind of giant weird guy, he said, with like big teeth and really long arms, just a super <laughs> creep, like came up to him. I love this guy. He said, like, man, I want you to have my ring. They're in, like, San Francisco. He's like, I want you to have this ring. It's my ring. Can you? And, like, he tried to not accept it from him. And then he finally took it. So he's like, okay, I'll, I'll take it. He put it in his bag. And a couple of weeks later, he's back home from tour. And he kind of puts it on the shelf. And then um, a week later, he's, like, on a train with, um, with MCA. And uh, why can't I think of the other guy's name? Ad Rock, MCA, and uh, Mike D. Mike, Mike D. Mike thank D. you. Uh, so he's on the train with the, the other guys, and he reaches into his bag, and he, this ring is in there again. He's like, "What the hell is this? Why is it? I put it on the shelf?" And so he takes this ring, and he's like screaming. He throws it down to the other side of the train. Flash forward fifteen years to two thousand seven, and uh, the Beastie Boys are on tour in like Chile. And he reaches into like his backpack and this ring is there again after 15 years. And like, he like loses it. He like his, his brain melts. <laughs> he starts screaming about it to the other guys and how this is cursed and how this ring has been followed. This is a ring and I threw it away 15 years ago and all this stuff. And um, he goes, he finally takes the ring and he goes down to some fountain, throws it in the fountains, like be gone ring. You know, <laughs> you have plagued me for too long. And then like two weeks later, while still on tour, um, MCA comes up to him. He's like, uh, you know that ring? Well, 15 years ago, I found it on a train. And on the train, after you threw it, you went into like the dining car and I picked it up. And it's, I take it with us whenever we're on tour, trying to find just the right time to hide it in your bag. And I guess you finally did it, finally, after 15 years. And just tortured his friend kind of innocently. I, I don't know how many... From the story, it seems like he only did it the one time 15 years later, but, you know, he's, he was basically just applauding um, his now, you know, uh, friend who's passed on, just his um, tenacity to yeah. keep some prank going for, for no reason. It probably just bemused himself year after year, tour after tour to just like bring it with him just in case there's the right opportunity to to, to drop it on him. And I just mm -hmm. thought, ah, oh, what a, what a good prank you know it is funny prank seems like a word that has a kind of like a cheapness to it but like i think within the realm of pranking the long con uh the long payoff is something that is part of yeah. that definition it sounds like that definitely that definitely was it yeah i i just i, I love that like for 15 years potentially this guy had been like this is the time this nope yeah not long enough. <laughs> Not long enough. Next time. Next time. I love it. Next time. We're, next time we're in India or um, <laughs> whatever we're doing. Some Lollapalooza. Yeah. Never mind. Never mind. I guess if you were in Sheboygan, you know, where mystical things don't happen, that would probably not be as good as if you're traveling in, in an exotic locale. In Nepal and Nepal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you've been led to believe that somehow the Dalai Lama has <laughs> cursed this ring. Yeah. All right, uh, wrap it up, rippity rap. Rip, rip, rippity rap, rip. rap. Uh, my last choice is the Joe Schmo show. Oh, I don't know this. Are you familiar with the Joe Schmo show? No, no, I've heard, oh, okay. the, I heard it, the name. 
Yeah, it came on, uh, the first season was in 2003. Um, and it was essentially a entire real, fake reality TV show that was built around pranking one contestant. So they created a, a show called Rags to Riches or Lap of Luxury. There was supposed to be like a uh, everyone lives in a mansion. They've got all these challenges to do and then they get voted out at the end of each episode. The winner is supposed to get $100,000. Except every person involved in all the contestants were actors who were playing roles. Um, the host of the show was Ralph Garman, formerly of K-Rock here in Los Angeles. Hmm. Um, who was also in on the joke. Everyone in production obviously was in on the joke. And the whole idea was how far can we push this guy? This average guy, his name's Matt Kennedy Gould. And how far could we push him with all of the different challenges and stunts that you have to do on these reality shows? Um, the problem was he turned out that he was such a nice guy, like a genuinely nice hmm. guy that everyone like decided it, it basically became hard to actually prank him at some point because everyone felt so bad for him because he was uh -huh. like, like one of the episodes he had made this connection with the, the actor who was playing the, the archetype was the veteran, like the older, like he had served in Vietnam or something like that was his backstory. And when he got that character gets voted out, Matt Kennedy Gould starts just crying. He's just like super upset. He's like, I don't know if this is worth it for me to be doing the show with, I make these friends and then the friends leave. And the producers were like, wait, hold on a second. This isn't funny anymore. This uh, is nice. We're putting this nice guy through hell. So yeah. they kind of had to rearrange the constant. They kind of had to rearrange it. So it wasn't so much making fun of him anymore as, you know, kind of making him the hero of this. Oh, uh, one of the actresses was uh, Kristen Wiig, oh, who wow. played a quack marriage counselor. They did a stunt where they're supposed to be doing like the sumo wrestling big suits. You know, those things mm -hmm. where you bounce into to each other. Yeah, and yeah. He, he bounced into her a little too hard and knocked her to the ground. And she had to go in a hospital to the hospital for a concussion. Um, and he felt terrible about it. He had won like some like all-inclusive spa vacation. And when she got back from the hospital the next day, he gave her the trip because he felt so bad about it. Wow. Just a genuinely nice guy who they, like I said, the whole idea of this show was supposed to be to make fun of him. And just by the nature of just his own being such a good dude, forced them to change the whole concept of this prank show. Wow. And they wound up doing three seasons of it. The second season was based on a reality uh, dating show. Um, and I don't even remember what the third season was. I think it was supposed to be like a bounty hunter type show who mm -hmm. was going to be the next great bounty hunter uh, the second season was pretty good third season kind of sucked first season is fantastic though hmm. it is interesting that it, it's fascinating that examining um why a good prank needs a good target and yeah some somebody who is um uh whatever good means in the reality of tv spectrum it means somebody people enjoy probably <laughs> torturing but yeah, somebody who, who they enjoy seeing bad things happen to them. You know, a prank, a prank is a form of schadenfreude yeah. in a lot of ways. It looks like that third season that wasn't very good was like a reboot of the show 10 years later. So maybe they just... Yeah, that's never a good sign whenever they yeah. do that. Mm -hmm. uh, the people who did this also did the uh, TV show Invasion Iowa, 
where they uh, purported to film an entire sci-fi movie starring William Shatner in this small town in Iowa. <laughs> and they got all the locals, you know, as extras in the movie and just kind of everything that went along with this big time Hollywood production coming to this, you know, small Iowa town. Also very good. So get a chance to check either of those two out. I would, I would recommend it. There was a, yeah, a, a buddy from Chicago talked about this kind of long running prank. Um, I think it's Windy City Heat. Um, yes. Yeah, it was kind of a movie. Uh, basically, a guy thought he was in a movie, and it was kind of just a big structured prank around this one one person, Barry Caravello, I think. Yeah. So yeah, he, it was. They, a, he was Jimmy, told he was in. Go ahead. Jimmy Kimmel was involved with it, if I remember, and and Adam Carolla, which is unfortunate. But hey, Jimmy Kimmel was involved with it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm yeah. looking right now. Bobcat Goldthwait directed it. Oh yeah, so yeah, this guy uh, thinks he's in a film noir uh, uh, drama, crime film, uh, but it's really just a structured prank to kind of torture this guy. So <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, I love it. Uh, so okay, dudes, uh, this has been fun. The Mount Rushmore pranks. Happy April Fools, everybody. Um, I let's go with the hot foot because that's a classic it's in cartoons it's in sports <laughs> um and because it made me nostalgic for the early days of bart simpson and the simpsons the prank phone calls have you heard shut up little man it was also kind of in that same time era where these oh yeah two, somebody recorded these two roommates in san francisco just yelling at each other <laughs> oh yeah i i was introduced to that when i was working at the, the uh, newspaper actually okay as a newspaper writer and i became obsessed with it and my wife sarah hates it yeah and so i would play it in car rides and she would just like it was nails on chalkboard for her but i just was fascinated and every once in a while you come up with a Oh, here's one that I hadn't heard before. And you could yeah. kind of trade it with people. And it was, <laughs> there's, there's even a documentary about Shut Up Little Man yeah. that's on Netflix now. If you get a chance to watch I, that, it's pretty good. Is it, I have like the, the guys kind of re, I forget, I seem like I've seen it, but I don't know. It's one of those things where they have people kind of reenacting these characters or something. I think there were cartoon versions of, okay. of, of, uh, of, of the Shut Up Little Man guys. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, uh, Jerky Boys. Um, I like that one. Did I say that? I like that one. And let's go jerky and beastie. Boy. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So dudes. Um, I have something to tell you. I'm starting my own offshoot podcast. What? Yeah. It's the uh um the Moat Rushmore podcast. It's about castles in Europe. Okay. And it's about those castles I'm that in. are surrounded by a ring of water uh, to help provide some local security. So uh, I think it's going to be a com competitor of this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Jeffrey. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Good, got... Richard, Richard, he's not going to compete with our moat related podcast that we're oh. starting. Wait, now what? Oh. Ah, uh, <laughs> oh, gotcha. Damn. Hook, line, and sinker. Mm. All right, dudes. Uh, I have cancer, you guys. 
Oh, just kidding. I don't have cancer. Wait, is that not a good, not, not a good prank? What does that have to do My with bad. moats? <laughs> and moat cancer. I don't know. Oh no. Cancer right here. Right. Cancer. You can't see me on this audio podcast as I'm pointing to my throat. This has been the Mount Rushmore podcast. I'm God, what a bummer. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs>